Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The sip is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. There's a game. The Broncos and the Chiefs tonight. Amazon Prime 515 kickoff. Can the Broncos finally beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? It hasn't gone well up until this point so far. Uh, what did I think I hear this morning? They've never beaten him, right? They've never beaten him one time. Well, he starts, right? That's correct, yeah. Has. In his yeah. entire starting career, he is 11-0. and And I want to say <laughs> that the situation is actually worse than that, though, uh, that they're, the Chiefs are actually 15-0 and uh, in their last yeah. 15 games. Well, the Andy Reid in charge uh, dominated the at what one time was certainly the biggest division rival. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll certainly get into a little bit about that game here as the hour goes on. Uh, but let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. It's uh, piggybacking off of what we watched last night, which is the Arizona Diamondbacks go into their first NLCS 2007 following a 4-2 to victory over the Dodgers, and it was a sweep of the Dodgers in the NLDS. So the question here is, what was the primary reason the Diamondbacks swept the Dodgers offense or pitching pitching remains out in front but down just a touch here at a six percent of the vote offense sitting at 14 percent kdos1060.com and we will answer that around 11 30 today on to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Uh, should the Arizona Cardinals trade Hollywood Brown? Yes, leading the way at 62.5% of the vote. No sitting at 37.5%. I believe the trade deadline, what do we have? Uh, uh, like 16, 18 days October, or so? Yeah, October 31st. You, you all can do the math. Okay, so Halloween. Okay, there we go. All right. Uh, we'll answer that question as well around 1130. We'll take your phone calls if you'd like to chime in. 602-260-1060. We'll do that around 1115. We'll also dive into a little bit of caught my attention from Jonathan Gannon of the Arizona Cardinals meeting the media as well as quarterback Josh Dobbs. But first, we have to ki- to finish Eric Edholm's uh, power rankings. We started that in hour number one. Bob also was joined by Eric in the 9 o'clock hour, and if you missed that conversation, Conversation going around the NFL podcast at KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app. But just a bit of a recap here. We started at number 10, which was the Ravens, 9 Seahawks, 8 Cowboys, 7 Jags, 6 Bills, 5 Lions. So we have the top four to get into here. Number four on the list is the Miami Dolphins. According to Eric's rundown here, Tyreek Hill is on pace for 2,213 receiving yards. That would be almost 250 yards more than Calvin Johnson's current single-season NFL record of 1,964. So we'll have to monitor uh, how that situation progresses. Uh, But I have questions here just now. You know, I know that there's so many playmakers 
so, so much speed on this offense, but certainly it's been fun watching Devon Achan and his explosive play ability. Uh, so now that he's on IR, where are they going to turn? How are they going to diversify what they're doing on offense? Uh, and then the next question I have too is, do we actually know enough about this defense? Because they're able to certainly uh, make make plays against offensive teams that have challenges moving the ball, but then going up against like a Buffalo Bills offense, that defense had a bit of, a bit of a challenge. Well, I think the biggest question for me is, can they handle teams that are physical up front on both sides of the ball? And when they played Buffalo, they got punked in that game. Is that the right term, punked? Yeah, they got physically manhandled. Maybe pummeled. Pummeled's a good word. Yeah, they were destroyed physically at the line of scrimmage in both sides of the ball in that game and had really no chance. Uh, now, that's not going to happen this week because they play the Carolina Panthers. Like, oh, my God, how many you – know, this going to – Hill's going to get closer to that record or, you know, whatever it is. He might set the record this week. Um, so, well, we'll see how that goes. But uh, uh, the A-chain thing, they do have Jeffrey Wilson. Remember they got him at the deadline last year from San Francisco after San Francisco got McCaffrey. I don't know if he's been activated from the – he's been IR, so I'm not sure what his situation is. But I thought earlier in the week that he was supposed to be activated from IR, even before we found out about A-Chan is going to miss at least four games, and now we think it's going to be more than four games, I guess, uh, with the uh, with the knee injury. So, But he's nothing you – know, he, he's a good player, Wilson is, but he's not A-Chan. He doesn't have the explosiveness. He's not part of the 400-meter relay team that the Dolphins have when all those guys are healthy. So, But to me, I want to see him play a physical team – and do something against the team until I can fully judge what I think of the Dolphins. That was probably a better way of putting it than I did. Uh, number three on this list is the Chiefs, and th- this is just my perception, but does it seem like things on offense are harder to come by? That maybe that this has been a byproduct of how good they've been for so long that the offensive play seemed effortless. That, you know, defenses, you know, win win the battles here and there against the Chiefs offense, but more times than not, the, Chief and, the Chiefs offense wins the war. But things are just a little bit more challenging to come by. Yards are harder to come by for the Chiefs offense this year. Uh, Mahomes is averaging 4.6 average completed air yards, 66.8% completion so far this season yeah that's another thing i touched on specifically with you know i didn't t- i touched on uh, you know we started with kansas city and denver uh you know obviously extremes in the power ranking world and you know, non-power ranking world and football in general world uh so we started with that and he pointed out and i i actually mentioned that this looked different they're they're different this year than they have been and uh you know, he mentioned the offensive line that's something i pointed out frequently has not been as good. A lot of penalties, not just the right tackle, but the other guys that are supposed to be, you know, studs uh, have not been quite as studly. Uh, that's my words and not his because my words are worse than his. Uh, so, you know, there's that. But that was one of the things we brought up. And also their defense, though, has been better than it has been, even though not completely consistent. Uh, she made some really good points as far as that goes. Number two on this list is the Philadelphia Eagles. This key, this team just keeps on getting it done. Obviously, the brotherly shove continues to get a lot of attention. Jalen Hurts, 6.4 average completed air yards, 67.3% completion percentage. And then, uh, you know, 
there's been a lot of talk about the defense here on the Eagles side of things, but I think the one thing that stands out to me is Jalen Carter and what he's been doing in his rookie year. When it comes to the defensive tackle pass rush win rate, according to ESPN, he's second on the list here at 24%, uh, and he's double-teamed 62% of the time. Yeah, I'm glad that they're going with the percentages there because he's still not playing anywhere near 100% of the plays, not even close. Uh, so, you know, that that's smart. And they also have, you know, several defensive linemen that can move in and out. And, you know, Fletcher Cox did miss last week's game. Uh, I'm not sure what his status is for this week against the Jets. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. But, yeah, he's been good. To me, the whole thing about the Eagles has been their you know, secondary has been battered with many injuries. And it looks like they're intact now. And uh, so I'm just kind of uh, throwing the uh, – you know, the so-called slow start defensively for them is they just haven't been intact. And now it looks like they're going to be close to intact as, as early as week. So uh, if the, my defensive questions about them continue, uh, even after they have, uh, you know, supposedly all the guys they expected to be playing, playing, then I might lean uh, to, well, maybe they missed that Jan- Jonathan Gannon guy uh, who is their defensive coordinator. <laughs> Number one on the Eric Edholm NFL.com power rankings list here Ooh. is the 49ers. Ooh, I think that, a lot of drama here. <laughs> right. I was going <laughs> to say, I think this should be zero surprise to anyone. It should be consensus, unanimous, whatever word you want to use, number one team. Right now, uh, their turnover differential is plus seven, which leads the NFL. It's actually shockingly surprised with Tampa Bay. They also lead the league in just allowing 13.6 points per game. Brock Purdy, uh, he throws the ball with such anticipation. His guys are where they're supposed to be. This offense just keeps on rolling. And then when I was thinking about the 49ers here, specifically when they play the Cardinals, and remember in that game how they hardly had any third downs, that they were so successful on first and second down, I was kind of curious – was that just against the Cardinals, or have they been that successful being ahead of the chains in every game they've played so far? So just kind of going through the list here, uh, they only had five third downs against the Cardinals. They were three for five on third down. When they faced the Cowboys last Sunday, they were 6-11 on third down. The previous game uh, before the Cardinals, 9-16 of 16 against the Giants, two of nine against the Rams, and maybe we could argue that the Rams played them the toughest so far. The Steelers yeah. in the first game of the season, six of 13 on third down. That's true, and uh, yeah, they've won, and this is when they're scoring like 30 points a game. <laughs> so it's not like it's, you know, so you know, they've been productive in the plays that they've had out there, whether it be third down or any other time. They've also now won four of their five games by 20, 20 plus points. And their defense has actually got a chance to get better. People are going, what is he talking about? I'm sure they're doing that a lot anyway. But specifically in this case, uh, they they traded for Randy Gregory last week. This is a no-risk addition here. I mean, if he's what he was supposed to be, Alice and in Denver, and he occasionally has been really good in a difference maker, and when he's not smoking dope and getting suspended or whatever, um, he's, he's if, if he don't provides anything... I mean, they're going to be even better up front, which is amazing to me that they, they actually could have a defensive front that would be better than it is now because if they have one question up front, it's the uh, defensive in position opposite Bosa. 
I had asked you early on in the season if you saw any differences between this defense now that D'Amico Ryans is the head coach with Houston and Steve Wilkes is the defensive coordinator. Uh, there's five weeks into all of this now. Uh, do you really see any difference in, in this defense? Well, Collinsworth pointed this out frequently in the Sunday night game is that they definitely are playing a little more zone uh, than they did before. So that's uh, clearly something that, as I mentioned, and he had, you know, he's the PFF guy. Uh, people don't know he actually owns PFF. <laughs> so he has all those numbers to his, uh, uh, to his disposal, and they had the numbers and the graphic to back that up. They threw it up there. I think that was like in the third quarter when the game's like a hundred to two or whatever the point is at that point against Dallas. Uh, so they were kind of, they were in filler time from like the third drive of the game on in that, in that game. So, but that's uh, that that answered that was a better answer to the question that you asked me last week than you know, than than I actually could provide at that time. Now that I've got somebody to kind of back things up with me on that, uh, I feel better about my answer. <laughs> Uh, and then when it comes to the 49ers, obviously here, things just uh, keep on rolling for, for them. Offensively here, uh, Christian McCaffrey has just been incredible. His his streak continues with how many touchdowns he scores uh, per game. Yeah, uh, the guy might be a little tough for him this week, seriously. Um, they play at Cleveland, and it looks like Deshaun Watson is not going to play again for Cleveland even after the bye week. And if that happened, by the way, they're not going with Dorian Thompson-Robinson this time because he was awful and completely overmatched. It's going to be a P.J. Walker game. Uh, I'm not sure he's a whole lot better, quite frankly, but at least he's had some NFL success. But uh, I think it might be a little tougher for McCaffrey this week because I think the Cleveland front seven, uh, but Miles Garrett may not play again either, by the way. Even after the bye week, he's missing practice time this week. Uh, but it's tough to run against the Cleveland defense when intact and maybe without Miles Garrett. So going to be a little tougher than it has been in some of his recent outings for McCaffrey just through the opposing defense. At least P.J. Walker gave us that Panthers-Falcons uh, extravaganza helmet being taken off, all that fun stuff last year. Oh, that's a D.J. Moore thing, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, one okay. other thing I wanted to bring up when you talked about Randy Gregory with the, you know, being released there from the Broncos, traded, et cetera, uh, now with the 49ers, it also looks like there is a ton of different things going on with the Broncos' defense. Uh, Frank Clark took, like, a pay cut to make himself a little bit more tradable, so uh, he's probably out uh here soon when they find a trade partner for him he's sucked though so far along with the rest of their defense so uh i'm not sure what the trade value is for him i'm sure somebody will take him you know there's some teams i remember he's in seattle and they decided that he wasn't going to be in seattle anymore there were some teams in the league that just wanted no part of him because he's got some bad off the field history with some arrest and other things we will dive into uh, comments, takeaways from Arizona Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon from yesterday, as well as crack Josh Dobbs, the injury reports as we saw them from Wednesday. Uh, and we'll also take your phone calls. So chime in now. We'll get you on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060 is the number. 602-260-1060. It is Thursday. It is October 12th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here in the Extra Point.
We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Eleven twenty-three here on KDOS AM ten sixty. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS ten sixty dot com and with the KDOS ten sixty app powered by Superbook Sports. The extra point rolling on here, uh, diving into some Arizona Cardinals discussion. We'll start here. This uh, just filling my inbox moments ago. The Arizona Cardinals have officially designated linebacker MyJ Sanders to return from the injured reserve list. So that means he can officially start practicing and the team has 21 days to officially activate him to the 53-man roster. Yeah, um, kind of afraid he was even on the roster, unfortunately, because he's been out for quite a while now. I'm not real sure if he's going to make any difference when he comes back. Um, they seem to have a few guys that kind of do duplicate uh, what their what their strengths are, quote unquote, uh, seem to be kind of the same. So they've got three or four guys that are, basically all they can do is be an edge rusher. They really don't stop the run, and they're not big enough to be a down defensive lineman, and I think he's one of them. I should have written it down when I saw it because it's not going to have the same effect now. But what I saw was the numbers for Zayvon Collins in the pass rush situation and just how many pressures he's in on the quarterback. And it's really maybe not what you would have hoped for moving him into this role. Well, I don't doubt that. I mean, but he, you know, they think they pretty much, uh, we've had two coaching staffs now determine that he can't be an inside linebacker. And that's what they used a first round pick for to draft him. And I don't think, I don't know, who knows, maybe he'll go somewhere else and, you know, they're, they're basically they'll use his, whatever his skills are, which I don't know what they are, other than maybe an rusher. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if he weren't even in the league in two or three years. Takeaways from head coach Jonathan Gannon meeting the media yesterday here as the Arizona Cardinals are preparing to face the Rams this Sunday in L.A. Uh, there's still questions here about the defense and Jamar Chase getting as open as he was, the amount of targets that he had, 19, 15 catches here. Uh, so much has certainly been made about that uh, nationally as well. Jonathan Gannon was... Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Gannon was asked how they limit the opponent's best players from beating them. He said here, you got to make sure we put them in good positions uh, and give them some tools that they can defend the way they need to defend to win the game. So kind of a non-answer yeah. there. Well, I mean, we get a lot. You know, he's the king of the non-answer, and God bless him. He's consistent about it. And when you get to any injury information, he gives out none, which is fine, too. He's consistent. You don't, he doesn't lie about injuries. That's the thing that disturbs me more than any coach doing anything in any level of football. Uh, when you know what a status of a player is and they just don't tell you anything, well, he's questionable or day-to-day -day or whatever. Uh, so even more extreme, at least with Kingsbury, when somebody was hurt for a long time, at least they said that. <laughs> so, you know, a, you know, if somebody like suffers an ACL injury, I don't know if the, the Cardinals are going to say now he's day to day. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But sorry about that. But anyway, um, you mentioned uh, the national media is recently within the last hour. You know, Colin Cowherd's show. They have Greg Cosell, who's the film guru dude uh, for ESPN, and I'm guessing other places too. Uh, he's a weekly guest on Coward. And one of the things that they were breaking down was uh, that, you know, obviously the 
the Cardinals' defense or lack thereof on uh, Sunday. And uh, they, they he died. The only part I got to really listen to because we're doing the show here, and I try to listen uh, when we're doing the commercial breaks is you know, kind of uh, you know catch what I can and maybe pick up a thing here or there. And uh, he too was kind of stunned how they just kind of let him roam around and do what he wanted. When it comes to facing Rams here, Gannon was asked what stands out about the wide receivers in this Rams offense. He says, really good quarterback. That would be the first thing that jumps out of my mind. You know, off the tape, they are good route runners. They are reliable, really good hands, good scheme to get them the ball in space. Two really good players, those referencing there, Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Yeah, no doubt. And also, don't forget Higby. I mean, he's really a good tight end, and uh, we'll see what happens with that. You know, the other thing is, you know, it looked like the, just based on last week, certainly there wasn't a shortage of targets for either of those two guys. And then what's the little guy's name from Louisville? My bad. I forgot his name. Uh, the other wide receiver. He actually uh, he was on he was on the field a lot last week, uh, even with the other even with a cut back. So it was more like a, you know, they had three wide receivers there all the time, pretty much. And Higby's still getting his share. So there's a lot there. They also throw to the running backs. And, you know, the Cardinals have a long history, <laughs> not just this coaching staff. We might go back to, like, the, the Ken Wisenhunt coaching staff. They have a long history of having a lot of trouble covering running backs to catch pass. You're talking about Tutu Atwell, right? That would be him, yes. Uh, he was on the field a bunch last week. I thought when... When uh, a cup came back, it would be you know, just basically you know, Puka and Cup, and you know, Atwell would be you know, kind of thrown to the curb. Instead, it was uh, you know, the dude that they traded to Atlanta this week was thrown to the curb, and he's not even on their roster anymore. Yeah, Van Jefferson. Uh, when it comes to Sean McVay's offense, he was asked, Jonathan Gannon was asked how similar it is to San Francisco's offense. And he says they moved before the snap a good amount, a la San Francisco, but they are different trees out there and guys have been different offensive schemes. Sean is different than anybody out there. He puts his wrinkles out there. What I think makes him special as a code play caller is you see him set up his offense week to week, year to year. As the uh, year moves on, he accentuates his guys' skill sets. Yeah, the best thing about uh, the, the Cardinals and Rams playing now is that you know the fact that Kingsbury is not here. We don't have to go, go through the weekly uh, when they match up the Kingsbury and Sean McVay friendship garbage that we had to go through all the time. Uh, I guess we can still go through the fact that what is the Cardinals have beaten him one time, McVay, since he's been there. Uh, whether you know three different coaching staffs, <laughs> so uh, we'll see. Uh, that hasn't changed. Uh, the only time they beat him is when they won that game in Los Angeles a couple years ago when Murray had a really good game. Uh, on defense, except for Aaron Donald, there has been a lot of change. So Jonathan Gannon was asked, what does he see from this Rams defense? He says they play really fast, really violent, play with really good technique. Defensive line is really good. Scheme is good. I think it's multiple enough. Keeps you off balance. They play well together. Agreed with that. Even though I think they've been a little inconsistent, I'm sure that they would tell you that. Uh, if you're talking, you know, the Rams side of things, I've watched every play of the Rams, obviously, but, you know, it seemed like uh, there's been a couple of games where what's going on here, and there's been a couple of games where they've really been tremendous. Uh, so I don't know if uh, I'm guessing that they kind of don't know from week to week what they're getting out of that, but that's what happens when you have a whole bunch of young players and rookies 
in uh, many cases for them playing a lot of lot of snaps. Takeaways from quarterback Josh Dobbs media yesterday. He was specifically asked, what are the challenges of not having running back James Conner? James Conner placed on IR this week. You talked about injuries and kind of not knowing what's going on. I think specifically this stands out. We know it's a knee injury, but we don't know what specifically with the knee injury is, is uh, problematic for James, but he is uh, has to miss at least four weeks. Josh Dobbs says, obviously, James is a playmaker on offense. He's been making plays throughout the season, so the young guys are going to have to step up and replace his production. It'll have to be a collaborative effort of those guys. I'm surprised he didn't specifically mention pass protection because that is, I think, the big a question to me is uh, is actually running the ball. Uh, part because you know they might have at least you know they might have a couple of people that can run the ball or you know, catch the ball, but uh, you know, pass protection. Now I would think if I'm a quarterback and especially an inexperienced quarterback like Dobbs, that's got to make his job a much more difficult because I think uh, I'd be looking out to see where's the blitzing linebacker coming from and is anybody going to pick him up. What goes into Dobbs' personal decision to run or not was the next question that caught my attention, and he says a lot goes into that. Some plays you are designed where you are reading a certain guy, certain element of the field, and so if that element gives you an advantageous look to give the ball to the running back based on numbers, there is also some plays where you just get outside the pocket, and then that depends uh, how the defense is playing us. A lot goes into it based on the play. Okay, I'll do a translation. It's whether he's running for his life or not. <laughs> uh, that has historically been a thing for quarterbacks. Um, yeah, there's also, you know, it seems, you know, there, there's, you know, you know, DJ Humphreys has not been good in uh, at least two of the last three games. Uh, so we'll see. that That's supposed to be your pillar left tackle. And I think he's actually been good for the majority of his career when he's been healthier. But I don't think uh, this has been his best five-game stretch of his career. Let me put it that way. Then he was asked, what's the plan to avoid turnovers? Uh, He said here, that's football, right? That's part game. Do we want that to be part of our game? No, not at all. It's just looking back at those situations, looking at how I can be better, how we can be better as a team. Well, this is the thing that was most disturbing. Maybe that's a strong word. But uh, uh, it was most uneasy about regarding Dobbs last week is that his accuracy, which I've seen before when he was at Tennessee and you know, his other stints in the NFL, as brief as they have been, you know, the accuracy thing I think was a big question, if not the biggest question for him. But you know, he, when he wasn't pressured last week, uh, had some very inaccurate throws. And uh, you know, that's something that we had not seen in his time with the Cardinals here in the first four games of the season, but we certainly saw it on Sunday. And finally, he was asked what his reaction is to Drew Petzing taking the blame for the turnovers. And uh, he kind of laughed a little bit and he said he calls the play. But as the quarterback, when the play comes in, understanding the situation, ultimately, I have to make the best decision for the offense. Totally agree with that. I think that Petzing's done a really good job this year. Uh, I think he's uh, done a tremendous job getting the ball into the playmakers' hands, of which the Cardinals, I think the, think the biggest strength the Cardinals have, quite frankly, is on offense. They've got more than a couple of guys that can make some plays, when healthy, unfortunately, because Connor's one of these guys when he's healthy. But you know, I think that uh, he's uh, Petsing's done a really good job uh, so far this year. And, 
you know, I think the one thing, I, you know, more than one thing, but the one thing I'm thinking of at least right now, as far as the coaching staff in general, this is co- a coaching staff that's going to put the blame on themselves and not throw their players under the bus, which I'm sure the players appreciate. Finally, injury report. I know it's a Wednesday injury report, but just some things to monitor here for me. Uh, you know, Marquise Brown uh, did not practice Wednesday with illness. Same with Elijah Higgins from the tight end position. But the thing I'm going to be paying attention to throughout the week is the status of Jalen Thompson. He obviously left the game on Sunday with hamstring injury, did not practice Wednesday. So where is his health trending? Uh, Keontae Ingram was limited with a neck. Jonathan Ledbetter limited. Uh, and then Garrett Williams at cornerback limited he had his uh, activation period started last week so just how is he trending uh, and will he be ready to go at some point in that secondary yeah well hopefully at some point I think it would be kind of surprising if he played this week Um, but uh, they could certainly use him because their cornerback play they don't like the guy that I think has been their best dude and Clark they benched him they put in Antonio Hamilton, who they hadn't played almost at all on defense. He was almost all special teams the first four games. And then suddenly, poof, he starts in week five. And he's not good. We've seen three years of him. He's not good. Uh, and then I think the guy that it was considered to be the best is Marco Wilson, who I think has just been really bad. And he's also been targeted by teams. And then you know, when they decided we're going to put him on you know, the best receiver maybe in the NFL. Uh, that didn't work out too well last Sunday. The Rams injury report. Joe Noteboom, uh, guard, did not practice. Uh, Laurel Murchison, defensive tackle, did not practice. Ernest Jones, linebacker, did not practice. Christian Christian Roseboom did not practice. Kevin Dotson did not practice. And Ben Skoranek was limited with an Achilles. So we'll continue to monitor that. Jones is a really big deal here. He's a big part of their defense. We will continue to monitor and how they're trending here Thursday and Friday ahead of Sunday's game from Los Angeles. It's time to get into poll questions, though. We answer them on the other side of the break. KDOS1060.com as well as on Twitter at KDOSAM1060. It is The Extra Point with Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro coming back with poll questions next. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Eleven forty-one here on this Thursday, October 12th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortlaro whip until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Reacting to the Diamondbacks for the first time since 2007, punching their ticket to the NLCS following a 4-2 victory and a sweep over the Dodgers. So we're getting into the poll questions here, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Uh, what was the primary reason the Diamondbacks swept the Dodgers off or pitching I'm gonna be really brief here I know know, I've said that before and I drag it on but I'm gonna be really brief here all apologies to Merrill Kelly Zach Gallen and Brandon fought in the bullpen but when you're outscoring your opponent 16 to 0 on the first three innings of these games that's why you're winning that's the biggest reason and I don't really think there's much of an argument for the other side 
Uh, yeah, so my, my stand on this was can I say both? And my reasoning here is because I think and I agree with you that jumping on the Dodgers early in both games helped set the tone for everything, right? Uh, you know, it, it, the, we all know the numbers for Merrill Kelly going up against the Dodgers. He gets this incredible lead uh, to start things off. Maybe that settles him in. Also just completely changes the mindset of the Dodgers pitchers. It stresses their bullpen. You know, everything changed for the Dodgers because of that offensive explosion, which then I think in turn helped the pitchers. It in turn helped set things up the way the Dodgers wanted to handle it. They were now uh, jumbling around making decisions that the hitting kind of set things up uh, for the pitching and it kind of just flowed into this uh, display of complimentary baseball that now you know they were able to try to paint corners as Ray Lavello was say, saying and making Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts chase uh, because maybe the the thought process was we have to do something because we're already behind the eight ball so uh, I guess what I am uh, trying to say both sides I I seem to be more making a case for the office. Yes, as you should be. <laughs> um, and you know, they, you know, when you have a you know lead after before that their team even hits for the fourth time, including like you know if you include last night, that's it's much easier to pitch whether you have a bad history against a team or not when you have a lead than it is when you're behind. And on the other side of things, I think the Dodgers postseason history, which obviously with this with uh, in recent years and with this group uh, specifically is not good. I think that it was like, a, I think panic mode is the best way I can put this. And that's from the first inning uh, for the first hitter. Uh, yeah, Betts swung at pitches out of the zone that weren't even close to the zone and made an out to start that game. And I think that just kind of trickled down because, you know, those two guys are tremendous almost always. They obviously were awful in this series with their, you know, combined what, one for 40 or whatever they were. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that the, you know, the fact that they were playing from behind the whole time, literally, they never, the Diamondbacks never trailed the entire series. Which, uh, there's not, I'm sure somebody's already figured this out, or it's probably been reported somewhere in my bad, because I'm sure I did. But you know, how many three-game sweeps also included a team that never trailed for one second of a series, ever? The masses, though, they're on the pitching side of things at 81% of the vote, and the offense is they're sitting. Wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> sitting at 19%. So the 19% here, uh, KDUS1060.com's poll question. You know, one, one other quick thing. I will say that you know, the, the majority of the time if I've had a question like this, you know, officially in a poll question or – you know, just in my mind before poll questions ever existed a long time ago, almost always I, th I would go for the pitching over the hitting in a playoff series because usually it is the better pitching staff that immediately determines the playoff series. But the fact that the Diamondbacks just jumped on the Dodgers here and they have this insane differential of home runs in the first five playoff games they played, that's why I'm on the hitter side. But you know, historically... I'd almost always be looking to the other side, at least first. Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060. Uh, should the Cardinals trade Hollywood Brown? Uh, I imagine you also had a conversation with Eric Edholm, among plenty of other NFL topics. NFL.com, Eric Edholm on loan for us. And, and, and I specifically asked this question to him. So podcast to find out his answer, KDOS1060.com, as well as yeah. with the KDOS 1060 app. Yes or no. Uh, so his contract up after this season 
And the team should have a lot of contract space for things that they want to do, moves that they want to make. My question here is, uh, you know, what are you going to be able to get in return for Hollywood Brown? Is it a first rounder? Is it a second rounder? Has he not, uh, I guess, done enough to show that he can be an all around receiver? Because I think that that's uh, I've been incredibly impressed with Hollywood Brown and his skill set here and what we've been able to see him do dynamically on the field. And is he really in a position to be commanding, you know, a Justin Jefferson type contract about what he's going to be asking for um, a Jamar Chase type contract I don't think so so I think that he could be uh, very very reasonable for the wide receiver market he's only 26 years old so I would hate to uh, I I know that you have a lot of different positions that you need uh, and you certainly need capital to be able to make trades and and build through the draft but I would hate to also uh, say goodbye to a player that has been proven here for you uh, I agree with all that. You know what's coming next, right? But. but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they'd be crazy not to trade him because they've obviously made a commitment here is that they're not going to be very good next year. And they have a lot of draft picks already. And considering they're, you know, when I asked Eric the question, I used the term contending teams. And, you know, I actually had the Chiefs in mind. Uh, you, know, end of the, you know, contracts up at the end of this year. The Chiefs right now have a significant wide receiver question or a bunch of them who's good on that team that's a wide receiver uh and he could help them tremendously andy reed loves to make trades brett veach the general manager they brought in guys the last couple years at the trade deadline i think that would be possible and eric pointed out even a team like carolina uh you could get a hollywood brown and you know they got plenty of cap space there uh, you could sign into a long-term contract, and you might have a better idea, even just this season for a few games, if Bryce Young's any good or not. Uh, whether you may have maybe mistake there, and uh, I think they're going to make a decision on whether they made a mistake with uh, Bryce Young at the end of one year, but it might give you a little better playing field. And they're they're so look they're they're so desperate for wide receiver that they supposedly really made a run for Chase Claypool uh, before he ended up going to Miami. So I think there's a market out there for him. Uh, I don't think you're going to get a first-round pick for him. And Carolina doesn't even have a first-round pick, if I remember correctly. That's right. Uh, at this point, they may not have a first-round pick until, you know, after you know, long past I'm dead. <laughs> you know, they, they've got a, several years without a first-round pick, if I remember all that, the trade parameters and the Chicago trade and so forth. But, uh, you know, the, the whole deal is that they're, they're, I, I, there's definitely going to be suitors out there. I think they can get a second-date pick, maybe, and definitely, you know, third. Uh, so they're just trying to accumulate draft picks. The Cardinals want to do that. This would be another one of those guys that they could – another pick that they could accumulate and think they would be nuts not to trade him at the deadline, assuming knock on, you know, countertop here, since this is not wood, countertop here, that he's healthy and you know, maybe I think another reason you should trade him – uh, certainly not re-sign him because is he going to stay healthy? But you know, don't have to tell the other team that when you trade it, tr- uh, when when they trade him to their team, don't tell him he has an injury history because that other team will never know that.
<laughs> the masses are on the yes side of things at 58.8% of the vote. No sitting at 41.2%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. I had mentioned in the previous segment that Hollywood did practice on Wednesday with uh, an illness. I'm seeing video from practice today. He's back out there. Uh, so short illness. Yeah. So that's good news. He, he's kind of, he's, he's not quite to the DeAndre Hopkins level of not practicing, but it seems like in a couple years, it, it seems like he's missed a lot of practices <laughs> uh he's also had a couple of nagging injuries that he's dealt with here that's that's very true i mean they've been legitimate as opposed to hopkins who i just kind of thought i don't really need this practice thing kind of like the Allen iverson i guess of the nfl uh and by the way hopkins had a really good game last week after many nfl experts i heard last week were wondering if he was shot and finished but he was really good last weekend yes he was uh the team not able to get it done. Yeah, it's because they couldn't stop the run. What was up with that? <laughs> we wrap up this Thursday at end of the extra point on the other side of the break. Listen to rewards for you the KDUS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app. edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, it is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also our guest today around the NFL with Eric Edholm from NFL Media tomorrow at 915 We'll go around the Pac-12, including an Oregon and Washington preview. Big-time game. Game days there this week. Uh, huge game for Heisman Trophy implications and the you know, CFP. Haven't said it about the Pac-12 forever, it seems like. Ted Robinson scheduled to join us from Pac-12 Networks tomorrow at 9.15. Sound of the day courtesy of TBS, and I just lost my place again. And I got, you know, here's the thing that I haven't said since, like, yesterday – uh, at least on the air. I already said this once uh, when we were not on the air with Kayla. I got too many damn windows going here. TBS, Fox, CBS, WIP in Chicago, and KBME, the Astros flagship station in Houston. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports Who with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6. The games going on today, uh, Major League Baseball, the Braves and the Phillies. The Phillies have a 2-1 series lead. Get started 5.07 p.m. tonight on TBS to determine uh, if if the yeah. Phillies are going to be facing the, the Diamondbacks or if the series rolls on to Saturday. Diamondbacks fans, you want to root for Atlanta here because you want them to have to play a Saturday game no matter who the Diamondbacks are playing next week because their pitching rotation will be all messed up by the time the Diamondbacks get to them. The Broncos are at the Chiefs, 5.15 p.m. on Amazon Prime. Broncos plus 10.5, Chiefs minus 10.5, over under 47.5. And Bob, Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown prop, minus 140. 
All the pressure, though, is on Patrick Mahomes to get him a ball because Taylor Swift is apparently in town. That's right. She's going to be there. It's a nationally televised game to some extent, even though it's obviously not a network television. But she's not going to miss that possibility. And I don't really know a lot about her, but it seems like her uh, you know, people that represent her have done a pretty good job of promoting her, I've noticed over the years. I know, she, I know who she is. They've done a really good job. Her <laughs> so. tours are widely successful. Uh, That's what I hear. <laughs> the Las Vegas Aces dominated Game 2 of the WNBA Finals yesterday with a 104-76 to win over the New York Liberty. Uh, they play again on Sunday at 12 p.m. on ESPN for the Aces to win the championship. They would sweep that series. The Phoenix Suns, Damian Lee, he had surgery yesterday to repair his right meniscus. And the Suns preseason basketball, Bob, but it is against the Trailblazers tonight, 7 p.m. And guess who is a member of the Trailblazers now? Dion. And I believe they play here next week. They so do. That'd be even more of a that'd be even more of a circus. That'd be great. That, that's something that I uh, no problem completely avoiding. As always, appreciate listening to the program here on KDOS AM 1060. Tomorrow, it's Friday, Friday Spread, brought to you by Von Hansen's Meat Spirits. We're 6-0 with listener uh, weekend bets, so we're trying to go to 7-0. In addition Friday to- the 13th, don't let that jinx you. Oh, you're right. Friday the 13th. Uh, Brian yeah. Lewis, our Pro Football Network prop bet uh gentleman who typically joins us he's unable to be with us but instead we'll have kyle soapy from pro football network so looking forward to catching up with him and doing all the traditional friday stuff talk to you then